Turn with me to Second uh, Kings. Second Kings. We're going to be going to the seventh chapter, Second Kings. If you do not have a Bible, um, I think we have somebody that will go bring a Bible to you. We might be empty here. We got some. Oh, thanks, Josiah. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hands, and Josiah will bring a Bible to you. We believe in, uh, in us looking at the Word of God and reading it together. If you're new here today and you don't have a Bible and you ask for a Bible, it's yours to take home. It's yours to take home. Please do that. Second Kings. We're going to be going to the seventh chapter. Yeah, it starts out that way, but this is the second half of the message. And if you remember, two weeks ago, it appeared, and it appeared to me that the Spirit just stopped me at a certain place and just said, camp right here. And so I did, and I stayed there. I think I was obedient. It's so funny, when a pastor does like a second part, I think sometimes people think to themselves, oh, well, then that next message will be easier because he's already prepared for it. Yeah, it's never that way for me. Maybe it is other pastors, but sometimes it's harder to, um, to, to camp again in an area because what may have happened is that the pastor needed a little more work in his heart before he could bring it forward. And I think that is with this one, with this one. So I've been talking about the subject, and then one day. And it's, it's the whole idea of the fact that um, life can be going along and it feels like death. It feels like it's going nowhere. It feels like you're stuck. And it's just, nothing's ever going to change. Anybody with me? And then one day. And then one day. And I challenged you last time, you know, will you walk with me through this experience that's in Second Kings? It started in, in chapter 6 and it goes through chapter 7. Will you walk through me with this and look at it through the lens of your own life? Because if, I'm on, if we're honest with, e- with each other, there are things in our life that feel like they're never going to change. Is that right? Right? It, and, 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 and that in itself can begin a process of bitterness and anger and frustration in our life that doesn't help us to move forward, but keeps us stuck as humans in the, in the mud and the mire of this world. Um, this morning uh, for prayer time, and I just appreciate uh, uh, the monks who lead us into prayer. These, these, we call them our monks because that's their last name. Uh, but they lead us every morning uh, at 9 o'clock in prayer, and any one of you is invited to do that. And they do a great job of leading us. But a, a verse, a chapter of the Bible that God brought up in my mind this morning that I read was, was uh, Psalm 90. And, it's, and it, is, it is the, um, it says, um, this verse just jumped out. It says, teach me um, to rightly account my day. Teach me to look at my life and to rightly account each moment 
because our life is like a blade of grass that grows up in the, in the, in the morning moisture, the morning dew, and in the afternoon, it burns off and dies. We only have a dash of time between our birth date and our death date. And that usually is very, very short on a gravesite. Isn't that true? It's true here too. It's true in our life. We have a, we, are we going to waste our days in the mud and the mire of, this, of, of what this world has to offer or doesn't seem to offer? Or are we going to seize the day for what God has to offer? You've got a choice. You can, you can remain in the mud and the mire. You can, you can today stand up in the glory of Jesus Christ and live a transformed and new life. You can. Do not let the enemy speak to you right now and say, that can never happen. Do not let that happen. Because he is. He's speaking. My brother, um, Josiah, and I got together this meeting, and, and we met for a little bit. And he says, you know, he said, I was reading about when Jesus came. And he, he came into the synagogue, and, um, and there was a man there that was possessed by a demon. Does that mean that somebody can be possessed in church? And the demon said this. What did he say, Josiah? Jesus, why are you interfering with us? They were doing a work in the synagogue, in the church. Last week, um, we had a man preaching. His name is Dave. Now, he lied to me. Because he told me he was going to preach about another subject. Now, I'll work out with him this whole lying thing, and we'll, we'll get that taken care of. Has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Stop it, David. <laughs> Obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek because the Spirit of God caused him to preach on spiritual warfare. And it is so important that we hear that message today. Uh, because we live in a time where Satan is being loosed, listen to me, people of God, even within the church. Even within the church. And he's becoming arrogant because he's been able to be given ground that he should not be given. We need to stand up and listen and say, not on my watch. Not in this day. Not for my family, not for, not for my church, not for my work partners, not for, you fill it in. And so this is, so how does this, listen to me, where does this come from? Israel was God's chosen people. And they had sinned against God by not listening to him. And they had 
sinned against him. And so God, as he has done in the past, brought up an enemy to lay siege against them. And this is in Kings, okay? So I'm, all of that before was no charge. It just came to my heart that I need to say it. So this is actually my message today. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. And, and they had laid siege for years to the point that it had gotten so bad that um, an ox or a donkey's head was selling for 90 days of wage. And, and a cup full of seed for seven, eight days. It was so bad. The king, if you remember, was walking out, out on the wall, and, and, he, um, and a woman said to him, help me. And he says, if the Lord's not going to help you, how can I help you? Is there, is there food in the vats? Is there wine in, in the coffer? No, I have nothing to do. I, I have nothing to help you with. He says, what's the problem? She said, she said, the lady that I live with and I decided that we would eat my son yesterday so we could survive, and today we would eat her son. But today I've come to her and said, let's now let's kill your son and boil him, and she's hidden him from me. The, the king tore his clothes, and just like all of us, I heard this morning something, I think it was from Clarice, that we all need a scapegoat. Is that, <laughs> we all need a scapegoat. He tore his clothes and said, if, you know, far be it from me that if Elisha doesn't lose his head today. And if you remember, Elisha, of course, being moved by the Holy Spirit, knew he was coming, so he barred the door. And then he comes and as the king is angry, and as he's making this, he says this in, in chapter 7. He says, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of finest flour will sell for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And if you remember, his officer, who the king was leaning on, because he was weak from, not, from starving, said, even if the Lord would open up the heavens, this could not happen. And, and Elisha said this. He said, he said, this will happen, but you will not eat of it. You will not eat of it. People of God, faith is the vision to be able to walk into something you cannot see and believe that God can do it and walk by faith into it. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't know what, you, what you're walking through. But in, young people, listen to me. Can you trust God that no matter how dark life is, you can walk forward believing that a day will come that he can change everything? Doesn't mean your circumstances change because change comes from the heart first. And then you live out a whole new change that then changes everything. 
And then the story brings us to the most unlikely people. And if you remember last time, I kind of anointed you all to be lepers. Why is that important? Because a leper is, um, is, is one who realizes in those days it was, a, it was like, um, um, you know, it's like cancer um, uh, when, it, when it's terminal today. When you hear the word terminal, that's what leprosy was like. When they heard they had leprosy, it was terminal for them. So they knew that their body was dying. They also, when you came down with that, it, it was catchy. And so, um, and so when that diagnosis came down, you were cast out of the city and you had to go live. You could not come within four meters of anybody else. And so you lived outside the city. Don't forget that. Somebody tell me where Jesus was crucified. Never forget that. That is so significant because some of us have felt like we've been outsiders our whole life. And Jesus looks at you in the face right now and says, so was I. I created the world, but the world did not know me. And I'm, a, I'm an outsider. And I was crucified outside because I get it and I'm dying for you. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. And so these lepers, and they come, and um, um, they say this phrase, which uh, if, if you look at, and I've, I've been reflecting on this, um, uh, if you look at chapter 7, um, the third verse is, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we go into the city, the famine is there. And we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. I've been reflecting on this, and I think this is part of why the Lord stopped me. Is, is the, 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 bio, the word says this, I've been crucified with Christ, or buried with him through baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. These lepers understood something. We, we, we talk about dying for the Lord, right? You, you, you got to lay your life down for the Lord. Is that right? We, I mean, you've heard that in your life? Absolutely, I have too. Do you know what that means? Say that again. Well, yes, yes, it does. Um, but this is such a classic picture of it. I think it's, and we, we can't miss this picture. See, they understood that they're, that they're living in bodies that were dying. They understood that they lived in a world, the famine, that was dying. So they, listen to me. Stephen isn't here, but he'd be so proud of me. They came to the logical conclusion that if they remained in the place that they were, they would die. If they go out of their world and walk into the unknown world, the world of the enemy, they might live and they might die. 
This is the same thing with true faith. True faith reveals the truth reality about our our bodies being temporal tense. They're here but a few years and they're destined to perish. That our world is broken and has no eternal answer for our lives. The money we earn buys us nothing beyond the grave. So we have to make a decision as these lepers did. Do we remain in this place and die or do we surrender to the one, listen to me, listen to me, the one who appears to be our enemy because he is, because we were born at enmity with God. And so he appears initially to be our enemy and diametrically opposed to life. And yet he's not. But the question is, do we walk into his camp and surrender our life to him? Even if we die. Jim Elliott spent so many years preparing for a moment. He learned how to fly a plane in a very unique way that nobody had tried before. He He sent tracks down to a tribe of Indian people for years. And then he landed and died. First reaction from a human perspective is, what a waste of time. No way. No way. You see, true faith comes to a place where they realize if they stay where they are, They're going to die. And if they give their life to Christ, they still may physically die. They know they'll come to live forever in Him, beyond the grave. One of the most difficult things in Christian counseling is to get people to take their eyes off of the physical reality and put it on the spiritual. Paul says this in in Colossians uh, 3. He says, lift your eyes up to heaven. Lift your heart up to heaven. Lift up. See that it is beyond this physical experience that true life really is. What does that do? It helps us Deal with the hardship and the difficulty of this life. Because our vision is no longer on this world. Our vision is on Christ. And even though we can't explain what's happened in front of our lives, our family has broken apart. Um, somebody we supposed to, we're supposed to trust has abused us. Somebody... We take our eyes off of that, we put it on the one we can trust, and then we look back at what's happened in our life and say, okay, God, don't know why it's happened, don't know why I've gone through this, but I'm trusting you that this will turn into something different. And so these lepers said, if we stay here, we'll die. If we go into the camp, we might die, but if they take us, and this is important, If they take us captive, they may keep us alive. Listen to me. Paul's greatest claim 
was that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. He was a prisoner of Lord Jesus Christ. He was, in fact, the, the, uh, uh, the NIV has, has calmed it down to the point, calmed down slavery uh, to the point of, 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 of servant. But it actually, when you see him talk about servant, he really means, I'm, I am, I, I'm a slave. Dulos. I am a slave. I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, it was an all that the, when a slave was treated well by, by their master, and they, after seven years they could be set free, they, they said, I don't want to be set free because I love my master, I love his family, and they would take an awl and they would put it through the ear, first pierced earring, for the reason of, for the reason of, um, they were now willing slaves. You see, every one of us were born slaves. But faith brings us to come into a place where we become a willing slave to the true God. Meaning our life is not our own. And that's, what, that's the interesting thing as we went on, we, these, these lepers. So they, right, they make the decision and they walk out, they walk out to, the, to, the, to the camp of their enemy. And guess what? There's no one there. Because the night before, listen, the night before, the Lord had caused a noise like a coming mighty army unto them, and they became so afraid that they ran away. Ah! Thousands, hundreds of thousands were boogieing! The, you know, the, 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 yeah, and so... And so they, and so they, um, they came into this camp, and they had a, bo- a, a bounty, a bounty, a bounty. And they began to eat, and they began to um, enjoy it until they came to the place. Until they came to the place. In verse 9 where it says, Then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If you remember, I camped on that at the end, and I'm not going to go back there again. Um, but I do want to just, I, I want to make a couple of comments. People of God, to sit on the good news of Jesus Christ and not to share it with other people is like a, a doctor who came up and has uh, a cure for cancer and doesn't share it with anybody. It is a sin. I'm going to say it again. It's a sin. It's a sin for you to go to work and to look at unbelievers and never to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're dying. You don't believe that, do you? They're dying. It's a sin. Paul said it this way. Actually, this is a a theme throughout all Scripture. Josiah talks about themes. This is a theme throughout Scripture. The, The Israelites were called to be the light to the Gentiles. 
and they refused to do it. Jesus came and he said, do not be like a, like a, a light on a, a city on a hill that has a, or a light on a hill that has a bucket over it. Shine the light of the gospel out. Paul said this, and I love this statement. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. It's our only task. It's our only task as a church. Now, don't look away from me because it's the difference between a religious person and a person in relationship with God. And this is where one day becomes so important. Because like the lepers, did you have that day of salvation? No, no. Did you have it? Did you have a time in which your life was transformed and changed for Jesus Christ? You're no longer living in a dead body and in a dead world. You're now living in a live body, in the live kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is your citizenship. And it changes everything. And you cannot not help but tell somebody. Do you have that? Now, don't mishear me. If you're here today and you're going, no, that's not me. I just have one word for you. Repent! God desireth that no wicked man die in his sin. He desireth that all, that all repent of their sin. You're here because he wants you to repent. If you're not involved in it. If you're not sharing, you're hearing it. Don't sit there in your seat and go, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a loser. There's no losers in Jesus Christ. There's only winners. And so, um, and so and we're going we're gonna to continue on. And so we get to verse 9. We, we, they, they said, but look at what they did. I thought it was really cool. It says in verse 10, um, so they went out and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went into the Armenian camp and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only uh, tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news. It was reported to the palace. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I, I think that is, that is so cool. Um, and Peter talks about this in the third chapter, the 15th verse. Um, right? I mean, okay. So, are we... Um, so, they have this good news, and they're lepers. How do you share it? You can't go into the city. Well, you could. You could run right in the city and say, here it is. But this is what Peter says. I think it's interesting. I think we all have to take this to heart. In the 15th verse, um, he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gentleness and respect. Now listen, somebody needs to wake up and hear this. Some people have determined that 
We don't confront sin, and that is gentleness and respect. That would be like, that would be like these, like these uh, lepers saying, um, um, we're not going to tell the city about this food because look at how they have disrespected us, how they have treated us, how they cast us out. And, um, and so they disrespected us, so we're not going to respect them. No. They went, they stayed outside the city, they went to the city gate, and they shouted to the watchman. They shouted to the watchman and said, look it, look it, look it. This is what we found. That is, we need to approach people with gentleness and respect when we share the good news. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not to go up to our, up to people, grab them by the lapel and say, Aaron, you need Jesus. What good does that do? You know what we do? You know what we do? We get to know Aaron. We get to care about Aaron. And in that time, we share the good news of Jesus in relationship. That's what discipleship is. That's what these guys did. In respect, they went to the city gate. In respect, they shared um, what they had found. Verse 12, so this was, and this was at night. They couldn't hold it. In fact, you remember what they said? They said that if we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. Right now, somebody's on your mind that you've been holding the good news from. Am I right? Is there somebody you know? that you have not shared the good news with, um, you may need to call them today and say, can we get together? I got some good news to tell you. And in a world of really a lot of bad news, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't, don't you think they'd respond to somebody saying, I got some good news to tell you? I think so. It says in verse 12 that the king got up at night and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving, so they left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking they will surely come out, and then, excuse me, this is the king's response. The king got, and said, I will tell you what they're doing. They're, this is a rouge. This is a, this is a um, um, yeah, they will surely come out, and then we will take them alive and get, in, get into the city. The interesting thing about unbelief um, is that it never sees the hand of God on earth. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4 says this, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Do you believe the glory of the Lord is being revealed on earth today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jay comes to me almost every week and says, hey, I had some miracles this week. You don't have enough time to listen to them, but I have some miracles happen in my life this week. God is moving every day. God is working every day. Do we believe that? Yes. But unbelief cannot see it. Is in your heart right now belief, faith leading you to believe that God can even in one day, in one day change everything? Do you believe that? 
Or are you living in the deadness of impossibility? As the, one, as the officer said, he said, even if he were to open up the heavens, he couldn't change my situation. I think this is an important point. Romans 1, 16 says these words, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. What does it mean to live in the power of the gospel? Exactly what we're talking about. It means that even when all hell breaks out on us in this earth, we still believe in the reality of heaven through Jesus Christ. We still believe that he's able. We still believe. Paul said, I am convinced. I am convinced that what I have given unto him, he, he will hold on to until that day. No matter what happens in my life, he's holding me. Is he holding you today in your life? Because unbelief will not see that. The power of the gospel, and it continued to challenge, continues to challenge us what we really believe. We have seen the power of the Holy Spirit overcome the impossible in our lives. And in one day, set us on a road to healing. In one day, change a circumstance into the direction that God is leading us. In one day. Now, we believe this even in the situations that we have in our life right now that seem impossible. And we have them. We have a daughter that's far away from the Lord. And we believe that in one day, her life can change. We believe it. Now, it's not it's not the power of my belief that makes it happen. It's the power of the gospel that makes it happen. And so I trust in the gospel. Do you? Yes. Amen. Amen. It is the number one problem in marriages today. I ask you a question. In your marriage, for you that are married, have you gotten to a place where something has happened and you've gotten to a point where you say, well, that's the way it's always going to be, so we just move on from there? I hate that. I hate that. That's not belief. That's unbelief. If God can change everything, if you are no longer your own, but you're a slave to Jesus Christ, and he raised from the dead, what can't he do? No. We have a generation, even in the church, that really has not believed that. They haven't believed it. And so things change, remain. Un you know that's why the divorce rate in the church is as much as in the world? Because we have lived in that unbelief of saying, it's just the way it's going to be. It's always going to be that way. Never going to change. And it's that impossibility that keeps us stuck into this starvation, this famine of this world. And I believe that he wants us to go farther than that because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
unto salvation. Eternal life forever with God. Are you living out eternal life right now? Am I? What if the king would have gone with his thought and said, this is a trap, and he stopped the people from going out and investigating? Anybody know what would have happened? What happens when you stop in the impossibility of what you have logically determined as this can never change? What happens? Death. He wants you to have new life. But you have to walk into it. You have to go out. So look at what they did. So then they, uh, one officer answered, I love this man. I wish I knew his name. Have some men take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their plight will be like all of the Israelites left here. Yes, they will, they will only be like the Israelites who are doomed. So let's send them to find out what happened. Do you hear what he's saying? Same thing as faith, right? If we leave them here, they'll die. If they go and the enemy kills them, they will die. Same plight as we have here. It re- isn't it interesting foundationally to faith how it comes to the place of, I just need to die to myself. I, need to, I just need to be okay with that. Isn't it making sense to you? It's to me. And there's areas that Wayne Andersman needs to talk to the Lord about. There's areas in in Wayne, and don't cover your ears. There's areas in in Wayne Andersman's life that he needs to accept death to so that he can have a growing new life. A growing new life. And so, um, and so, yeah. So, verse 13, he says this. Um, so they selected two chariots with their horses, and the king sent them after the Armenian army. He commanded the drivers, go and find out what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan, and they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment the Armenians had thrown away in their headlong flight. There's times in the Bible y'all should laugh. Um, so the messengers returned and reported the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Armenians. So a sea of the finest flour sold for a shekel, and two sheas of barley sold for a shekel, as the Lord had said. Faith makes a way to see what we cannot see. It does, and I know that might be cliche-ish, but it is so true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's eternal life. In him, everything changes. In a day. Now, I do have to clarify something because there's some people that are saying something here that, that, is, that I hear, and it's this. Well, you know, I've been praying about something for a lot of years. And, and pastor, you're saying that Jesus can change it in a day. What is a day like to Jesus? A thousand years. Okay, now that's not like an excuse. 
but it's a reality. The thing is this. He's the determiner, correct? So if he wants to heal in a day, can he do it? If he determines that it's good for you to go through a period of time where that answer does not happen right away because he wants it to work on your heart, is that okay? Okay. So if a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, it really comes down to the fact, do I truly have faith in Jesus Christ that he can change it in a day? Whether it's a thousand years or not, does not matter because I can't stay, listen to me, I can't stay where I'm at. It's all death. I'm going to go into who presumably seems like my enemy's camp, believing I can find life. That Jesus truly is who he says he is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except Does that make sense to you? He's life. What's the song? It says, even though I, it's an, it's, it's a, I think it's a four hymn song. It says, even though I die, I live. It's a mystery because you have to die to live. You never really live until you die. And it's true. And here it is. And these, and, 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 and these lepers who were outcasts led a nation who were living in unbelief to see that there could be life. Listen to me, you who think you are nothing. Listen to me, who think your life is worthless. God may have allowed you to go through your issue, whether it's with your, you had a bad family experience, whether you have a disease, whether you have, because he wants to use that if you'll follow him in faith, to lead others. It's called turning your mess into a ministry. It's the only reason I'm standing up in front of you. There's no other reason. And most of you know that. And so faith gives us sight. But I find it interesting as I end this this, um, chapter. It says, now the king had put... The officer on his arm, he leaned in, he had put the officer on whose arm he leaned in charge of the gate, and the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died, just as the man of God had foretold when the king came down to his house. It happened as the man of God had said to the king, About this time tomorrow, a sea of finest flour will sell for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer had said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, um, could this happen? The man of God replied, You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat of it. And that's exactly what happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died. Do you believe God's word is true? Do you believe if, it re- if you read it that it will happen? That should scare some of us because we haven't been living that way. We've been living as, the word, as though the word of God is an option. It's a great idea. It's a great suggestion. It's true. It's true. If Joel Bukema loves Shelby as a husband should love his wife, the Bible says that God will hear his prayers. 
If Joel Bukema does not love Shelby as he should, God will not listen to his prayers. That's what the Bible says. That's convicted this man. I don't have to point at Joel. I can point at Wern Andersma. So, 1 Corinthians 10 says these words, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages have come. If you're not in God's word, you're not seeing the warning signs in your own life. By what's happened in the past shows us what's going to happen in our future. Jesus Christ is the culmination of the ages. He is the bounty laid out before us to bring life from a starving death. To stop our lives from withering on the lifelessness of this earth and to find true life. That is Jesus Christ. I want to end this very shortly, but I just, I think, I just, I want to end this talking about there's a day coming. We talked about uh, day, then the day, and I hope that every one of you have experienced then the day with salvation. If you are not here today because there is a day that Jesus saved your life, today is a great day. Don't harden your heart. Come to him. Repent of your sin. And receive him as Lord and Savior. But there is another day coming. And you know what? It's interesting. The very thing that happened in the Old Testament with the king and with the other people when the, when the lepers came first. Second Peter 3 says this. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is the coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. There is a day coming, people. There is a day coming in which the Lord is returning. This is, this is the word about it. 1 Thessalonians 5. Write it down. Read it yourself. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, you do not need to write, and I write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who drink, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, listen, encourage each other and build each other up just as in fact you are doing as I end this time together there's been no time in history like the time that we're in right now as we see Israel not only being attacked by the Hamas but also being attacked around the world 
through demonstrations and through anti-Semitism and through all that's going on, we see the word of God working out exactly as it had said. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I'm believing that this is exactly the end times. I don't know. I don't know where this is going on. All I'm saying is wake up. Wake up. What does that mean? Wake up means this. If you've not received Jesus, receive him today. Wake up means that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're living in sin, repent of it today. Wake up means that tell your neighbors, tell everybody, tell people about Jesus Christ because he's coming back. For some, the Boverhuss experienced him come back for a nephew. Um, my, buddy, my friend here, uh, Jerry, the Harpers, they experienced it in a niece. The day of the Lord is the day set aside if he's to take each one of us individually home. And the day of the Lord is when he comes back and returns to take his own home. It's short. It's not long. Stop it. Wake up. His word is exactly true. That's exactly why the evil one has been keeping you from reading it. I know. I know from your background that you have, um, you have some anxiety about Christianity and about religion. I get it. I get it. But wake up. Don't let that stop you. I know that you've, ex- uh, you've, ex- you've, you've experienced things that you have said to yourself, is this the kind of God that you are? That you would allow this in my life? I get it. It's painful. But wake up. Wake up. The Bible says that he is merciful and loving, slow to anger. He is a good God. Even when good doesn't seem to be happening in your life, he is a good God. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Follow him. We got work to do. He's calling us to be lepers, to not sit on, not sit on the good news, but to go out and to share it with the world who is starving to death. Yes, they're going to be like the king. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Yes, don't take that personally. Peter says that if you suffer for the sake of the gospel, because Jesus suffered, and you get the privilege to suffer the sufferings of Christ. We've suffered enough for our sins. It's time to suffer for Christ. Are you with me? They're dying. Stand with me. I want to give you guys opportunity. I've, I've asked the monks to come forward and to, um, uh, and to stand up here and to just, just be prayer partners. Um, I am, I'm, I'm sensing that maybe there's some who are saying, you know what, I've never received Jesus Christ. I've never. I've never. There's others who are saying, you know, I said that I received Jesus Christ, but I've been living a life of sin. And I, I'm just tired. I'm tired of it. And I, you know, I'm not living in the hope of then one day. 
I've been living just, just in really unbelief, even when I say I believe. And there's some of you that are saying, you know what, I have not shared Jesus with that partner at, at work, with that person, with that family member, with, you've got a name right now. Today is a great day to repent. If, if it's Jesus you need to receive, come up and they'll pray over you to receive Jesus Christ. If it's, if it's that you've been living in unbelief for years, come up, come up, repent of it. And if it's that God has placed a name of somebody on your heart that you've not shared Jesus with, repenting is the fact that now you're accountable to go and do it. Okay? Does that make sense to you all? Okay. Let me pray. And then um, during the song, uh, Mark and Mary will be up here with me. Please, come. Don't let... Like, like the Israelites, don't let pride lead you. Don't let pride lead you. Let the Spirit lead you. And then one day, it all changed. Let that be today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege to uh, stand before these people. I've, uh, in the past couple of weeks, I have absolutely felt unworthy of, of this privilege but Lord, you have been in this place and I know it's more about you than me. And so Lord, we just come as a family before you and we thank you for loving us and for being here and we thank you for one day, for one day in our lives that you are so faithful that one day it can all change. And so Lord, I just pray a blessing over this, these people. I pray that Lord, they will never forget the story, that they'll never forget the four lepers, that they will never forget um, a people that were living in unbelief for years under a siege. And yet, Lord, you used four lepers who were outcast to bring the good news back to. Lord, may that be us in a community that does not know you, has turned from you is three generations even from worshiping you. They so desperately need to hear a word from you. Let it come through me. Let it come through us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.